you see that yesterday, Easter Saturday, it says, Easter Saturday, April 11th of Easter week, a day within the octave of Easter. And then it says Sunday, April 12th, today is Divine Mercy Sunday. It's the end of the octave. Octave means eight. So the eight days after Easter, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are celebrated as Easter. Um, I went into shops uh, during the week and I would say to people, Hi, uh, Happy Easter. They look like, what? We already, as if on Easter Sunday, we stopped everything, assumed the lotus position, and meditated only on the resurrection. Your phone rings. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm meditating on the resurrection. I'll have to get back to you tomorrow. No, come on. Uh, the, we, need, we need time for this most profound of, uh, of days on the calendar. In fact, the Easter season goes from Easter until Pentecost, 50 days later. So this business of, of uh, well, Easter was yesterday. I mean, we're past that. I mean, that's so yesterday. The, um, this is the world. We need to talk to people about this. It's not a small thing. Anyway, you can see the, uh, the schedule there on Wednesday. I've got a funeral mass for John White. So otherwise, three hours of confession yesterday, three hours today, three hours on Saturday. In about a week or so, I should turn back into a human being. Um, on um, Saturday, last Saturday, you know, the day after Good Friday, Holy Saturday, the Easter Vigil, about 11 o'clock at night, and I'm zipping around here in church. Friends, I'm 55. I know I look 29. But anyway, it's a curse. Anyway, I'm 55. The, uh, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm zipping around in here, and I'm thinking to myself, what's this? Uh, any other day of the year, 10 o'clock hits, it's like... Must concentrate, must get to bed, right? So here I am zipping around, and I'm thinking, what is this? I know what it was. It was your prayers. Thank you for the prayers. Oh, Father, we're praying for you um, during you know Lent and Holy Week. Thank you. Because it wasn't adrenaline. I don't do adrenaline anymore. The, um, it wasn't my choice. But anyway, um, remember when uh, Pope Francis was first elected? He came out on the balcony and the first thing he did was he asked us to pray for him. So pray for him too. I figure this is a sign from the Holy Spirit that when he retires or dies, I will be the new Pope. God help us. <laughs> Page seven. You see the Women's Guild, their next meeting. There's the program. Um, so ladies, if you're not a member of the Women's Guild and would like to attend, you're most welcome. Um, then there's the, um, the site for the Holy Face of Montepello. Uh, that's a great website. Thanks to our deacons, um, Deacon Guerra, Deacon Davis, and Deacon Cruz, and also to the altar servers. They saved me a million steps, literally a million steps. Um, and I, I'm so grateful. Um, page 9, there's the extended Easter novena. If I did pass the, um, the sheet there, the page 8, where it says we're poor, just, just so you'll... Read that sometime. Page nine. <laughs> page nine, an extended Easter novena, if you want to be part of that. Oh, look at page ten. Page ten. Notice how I'm dropping it down here in front of the divine mercy picture. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you if you give the divine mercy chaplet to some Catholics with a rosary, they'll say no. Some people just don't like rosaries. I don't know what it's it it, it, it gives them a bad vibe. I don't know what it is. 
And a lot of non-Catholics don't like a rosary. Oh, here, let me show you the Divine Mercy Chapel. You pull out a, ro- you pull out a rosary. The next sound you hear, click. Well, you can give them this page, you know, before you throw the bulletin away. You can give them this page and say, I tell you what, you don't need a rosary. And if you don't know the Apostles' Creed or the Hail Mary, just say A, B, and C. They, they got ten fingers. Right, there you go. Um, I'm serious. There's nothing in this prayer that a non-Catholic Christian wouldn't say yes to. Right? It's a great prayer. Tremendous graces. Today is Divine Mercy Sunday, right? Page 11. That's a great website there. The sun and the moon eclipses on the day Jesus died. This man, a Christian, a non-Catholic Christian, a lawyer, he, um, he was looking up the star of Bethlehem about seven years ago. Got a great, got a great video DVD on the star of Bethlehem, which is listed at that uh, site there. Well, evidently he got the, um, got up the, uh, the materials and the astronomers together, and he actually figured out which year, which Good Friday, the solar eclipse could be seen from Jerusalem. There it is, April 3rd, 33 A.D. It's fascinating. You go down to the middle of the page, the lower middle of the page 11. The Americas in Good Friday. Yeah. Good Friday, the year 1519, was on April 22nd. Yeah, Cortez and his men left their ships, less than a thousand, to conquer the Americas. The Aztecs had over 20 million. How'd you like to live in Texas under the Aztecs? I don't think so, right? The, um, this uh, tremendous undertaking uh, venture, you, you kind of hear about that in the second reading, all that, all that um, conquering and conquest language of the second reading. Yeah, go back and read that. It's very appropriate. Um, and then uh, page 11 at the bottom, just 10 years ago, Pope St. John Paul II died. I talked to Catholic young men and women, late teens, early 20s. You ever heard of St. John Paul II? I mean, it's not universal. A lot of them have. A lot of them haven't. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, look on page 12. Now, 12, 13, and 14 go together. But at the top of page 12, you see where a priest who teaches up in New York at the Archdiocese uh, Seminary there, St. Joseph's, Father Thomas Berg, um, he um, was making the connection between fides et ratio and divine mercy. Um, back in September of 2013. Last year, Divine Mercy was April 27th. So Easter this year was a couple of weeks earlier. Friends, it's only ten paragraphs. Ten, ten paragraphs? Oh, I'm, I'm dying. I, 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 I can't read ten paragraphs. Yeah, you can. If you, if you want to dig in to Fides et Ratio, look at that, page 12. Fides et Ratio means faith and reason. Faith and reason go together. Look at the look at the intro from St. John Paul II. There in paragraphs, just in paragraph one, um, he's mentioning Buddha and Confucius. He's mentioning Plato and Aristotle and um, a lot of what we would call pagan religions or pagan philosophies. Um, and what St. John Paul II was saying, yeah, we can find elements of truth in antiquity and today doesn't mean we agree with them on everything. What's true, we underline. What's not, we, we put to the side. 
It's it's a fascinating document. Um, I'm going to get to the point here in a minute. Look on page 13. Pope Benedict uh, in 2006 he gave a he gave a lecture at Regensburg, a university he used to teach at as a priest, and the pull quote of that lecture was, "If you're talk if two people are talking, and one and, and reason." Uh, one person is using reason, the other person is not. You can't have a dialogue. You have parallel lines. I mean, friends, you, when he said this, after he said this, um, people started to die. Not right there, but I mean, in the Muslim world, the radical is, elements of radical Islam, it's, you can look it up on Wiki. Wiki is not a Catholic website, right? The uh, yeah, Wiki stands for Catholic. No, it doesn't. So you can look it up and you can follow how this developed. They give a pretty good um, representation of what happened. But what the Pope said is true. I mean, look at this. You cannot have a conversation with someone, a dialogue with someone. Two people can't unless both are reasonable. How about this? Um, well, you're a hater. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. What did you say? You're a hater. Well, what do you mean? I said you're a hater. Did you see that? In three lines, um, uh, back and forth three times. There's no dialogue there. There appears to be one. Friends, that sounds real familiar. Well, you're a this or you're a that. I'm sorry, can you help me? Well, you're just a this or you're a that. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Can you? Uh, parallel lines. Parallel. It's not a dialogue. So what it, I would encourage you, there's a Jesuit priest who wrote a book on his lecture Father Shaw, what an excellent Jesuit priest. A Dominican, no worse for the wear. Uh, Father Aidan Nichols, what a great writer. Um, and now um, this Jesuit priest in the 1920s, you see that on page 13? Uh, Father Georges Lemaitre. Um, in the 1920s, he gave, well, why don't you just flip over to the cover of the bulletin, and you can see him there with Al, pictured with Albert Einstein. You can kind of figure out which one's Albert. Right. We're on a first name basis. Al. Okay, here's uh, Al and here's Father Lemaitre. He gave Father Lemaitre gave um, a paper that he had written about this theory he had. It's called the Big Bang Theory. And when Einstein heard it, he publicly disagreed with it. He didn't think it was correct. Later on, he came back and publicly agreed with Father Lemaitre. So um, here's a Catholic priest in the 1920s. He died when I was in grade school. He died in 1966. Uh, faith and reason, right? Okay. Then here's Louis Pasteur. You can read there at the back of the bulletin about, here's a layman, a scientist. If you've had a vaccination, um, he started them. He's the father of mod the modern science of bacteriology. Um, and uh, next time you drink a glass of milk, yeah, it's pasteurized. Oh, there you go. Uh, no, it's not Louisized. It's pasteurized, right? So, um, scientist, Catholic. Look what's look what's written in stone on his tomb at the back of the bulletin. And then this priest, maybe he was a bishop. I like to look it up. But Gregor Mendel, a Catholic priest, possibly a bishop, the father of modern science of genetics, friends. Uh, it was um, Monday or Tuesday after Easter. There was a man from Wolf City, a friend of mine. He's not Catholic. He's, he's Christian, but not a Catholic Christian. 
he was telling me that they had an Easter egg hunt. His little granddaughter was out there just picking up Easter eggs left, right, and center. And her little brother's right there next to her. And she says, this is great. Easter is great. The Easter bunny doesn't care if you've been naughty or nice. You get eggs anyway. <laughs> Friends, when you tell people you're a Christian, you know a lot of people think that you just said, yeah, and I believe in the Easter bunny. Um, I believe in Santa Claus. I believe in whatever. Barney the dinosaur. Um, friends, these are just three examples. I list others in the back. Faith and reason go together. And these are just three right off the top of my head examples. Um, you see Dr. Dominic Padula there on page 13. He was inspired by a woman who was first. She was she was born into a Jewish family. She became an atheist in college. Imagine that. Anyway, in Hitler's Germany, she got a Ph.D., a doctorate, and then um, she became a Christian and then a Carmelite nun. Yeah, Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. He was inspired. Uh, two years ago, on April 15th, he wrote that blog post. Look at, the, look at the letters after his name. Talk about, I think he left a couple of letters out, right? He doesn't need to buy any more vowels. Um, this is faith and reason. Then um, here is um, Pope Benedict's book, Jesus of Nazareth. No pope in the history of the church has ever written a book with a foreword like this. Here are just a couple of sentences. I'm serious. The Pope wrote, um, it goes without saying that this book is in no way an exercise of the magisterium, the teaching office of the church. This is solely an expression of my personal search for the face of the Lord. Then the last sentence. Everyone is free then to contradict me. I would only ask my readers for that initial goodwill without which there can be no understanding. The, the Holy Father is saying, you're free, to, you're free to contradict me. Just be reasonable. You know, he quotes in here Rabbi uh, uh, Neusner, a Jew. He quotes um, the uh, Lutheran biblical scholar, Joachim Jeremias, if you wish, Joachim Jeremias. Um, gives a pretty good case there about Lazarus and the, and the rich man um, for purgatory being in that parable. Yeah. Uh, a, a Lutheran scholar. Uh, friends, uh, he uses atheists, Lutherans, Jews, wherever truth, wherever he can find truth, he, he was doing in a book form what he was talking about at Regensburg. Look at uh, page 14. There's uh, reason.org. And uh, that's a website I would recommend to you. That book that I just heard him, um, Dr. Hugh Ross, um, he, uh, he had an, an hour-long interview last week. He's a, a Christian. He's a, an astronomer and, an, a phys and a physicist. He had an hour-long interview last week with a conservative Jew on the first book of the Bible. It was fascinating. Um, do, does everything on his blog... Square with Catholic faith? No. I looked on there. It said, um, he said, um, yes, I support the, uh, we have the 66 books of the Bible. Well, that's not, that's not the full canon for us as Catholics. But why am I promoting him? 
because so much of what he wrote squares with what we as Catholics believe. And he opens up things about Genesis that are just beautiful. I, I encourage you to go to reason.org. So enough of that. Um, but the um, 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 you really ought to look into those, especially those websites that I mentioned there. And you can look them up on Wiki and be amazed. They're brief summaries. You will be inspired, I think. Okay, now for the homily. That kind of prepares you, too, for the homily. You kind of guessed it. Um, Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Um, friends, the, um, the, there is a question that we as Catholics fail to, to meditate upon. I'm very serious. Um, it's the, the question upon which everything else rests in our faith. And yet we do not give this question adequate attention. And the question is this. When did the church begin? When did the church begin? Um, you know, in you, when you look at, at the book of Genesis, it's very helpful. Um, when you look at the book of Genesis, the fathers of the church, you know, the, 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 the men who came right along after the apostles, they knew the apostles and then those who came along after them. They wrote about Jesus as the new Adam. He's the new Adam. And uh, remember when God created everything, then um, God created um, the, 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 the animals and the plants. Then he created Adam. And then he put Adam in the Garden of Eden. He didn't put him there first. Then Adam named all of the animals. And then uh, after he had been there for quite some time by himself, in other words, after he made a pretty good mess, um, then, uh, then God cast a deep sleep on Adam, kind of like some of you right now. God cast a deep sleep on Adam, and he took from his side a rib, and from the rib he fashioned the woman. And remember in Genesis it says he breathed, God breathed life into the nostrils of the woman. Oh, Adam said, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is how he says, she shares my human nature. She's not of the lower animals. She has a human nature. She's made of the same stuff that I'm made of. Um, and, um, and now she can start to clean up this mess that I've been making. <laughs> the women here are not surprised. Anyway, the, um, now we fast forward to this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. Uh, but the readings, the reading here begins with Easter Sunday. Um, you see, our, we have to read even this reading and the rest of the Bible. We have to use reason to read the Bible. Otherwise, you come up with things that are not conclusions that are not true. Look at that. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Everybody in that locked room was Jewish. Yeah. They were afraid of the Jewish authorities who 
who handed him over to the Roman authorities, who then did this to Jesus, right? They're not afraid of the Jews. They're all Jews. But look out that one little bit of reason. Um, um, if we omit it, you could, you could arise, arrive at a very different conclusion. So there they are in the room, doors locked, windows locked. And Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace be with you. Friends, Jesus, the fathers of the church, refer to this meeting um, as the bridegroom meeting his bride, the church. But when did God take the church from Jesus? Well, the fathers of the church, referring to Jesus as the new Adam, they said, as Jesus slept the sleep of death upon the cross, from his side came forth blood and water. Again, look in front of the pulpit here. That's the divine mercy image, blood and water coming from the heart of Jesus. When the soldier, the Roman soldier's spear um, uh, passed through the ribs into the sacred heart, out came blood and water. Um, and... That's the, the church has said from the beginning that that is the, the origin, the source of the sacramental life of the church. Like the rib that God took from Adam, the blood and water came from the side of the new Adam. That was Good Friday. Then Easter Sunday night, here he is, the new Adam. And he is alone for the first time with his bride, the church. Now, what did he bring with him? He brought along gifts. I'm just going to name some of them. I'll probably leave some of them out. But it said here, um, um, Jesus came and stood in their midst. So, first of all, there's the first gift. He brought his presence. Um, he had been absent, right? Good Friday, um, Holy Saturday. Uh, here it is, night of Easter Sunday, he brought his presence. And he said to them, well, first of all, there's another gift. He spoke to them. I'm not talking to you after what y'all have done to me. Huh? Um, he spoke to them and then he said to them, peace be with you. He gave them his peace. Um, then Jesus, when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands inside. He's familiar with them. He's letting them actually probe the nail marks to touch him. Um, so that's another gift. The disciples rejoiced. When they saw the Lord, just as Adam rejoiced when he saw the woman, the bride rejoiced when she saw the bridegroom for the first time on Easter Sunday night. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Well, he already gave them peace. He's giving them the fullness of his peace, if you will. As the father has sent me, so I send you. Look, there's another gift. Um, there's a gift of being sent by Jesus. But there's also the gift that Jesus brings knowledge of the Father. Knowledge of the Father. We wouldn't know that unless he speaks of the Father. Friends, he did not register at, at uh, Macy's or Nordstrom or, or Target for the wedding gifts. He brought them with him. Um, and when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, what did he do? He, he breathed on them. If you're, if you're at the store among strangers by yourself, Somebody breathes on you. You say, get away from me. Right. He breathed. Hey, he breathed on me. Get away. Jesus is breathing on his church the way God formed the woman out of the rib from Adam 
And then he breathed life into her. Friends, these are not throwaway lines. These are beautiful lines about the bridegroom and the bride. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There's another gift. Uh, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes with all of his gifts. So, um, and one last gift. He says, the sins you, you forgive, they are forgiven them. The sins you hold bound, they are held bound. There's a sacrament of confession. All Catholics see that as a gift, right? Uh-huh, sure. The um, <laughs> Friends, this is the bridegroom and the bride. This is the beginning of the church right here. Now, let me tell you. Let me just tell you why I'm going through all of this right now. In a couple of years, it will be 2017. Right now, it's 2015. In two years, it'll be 2017. Father Paul, I am so glad you said that I could never have figured that out. Right? 2017 comes in two years. In 2017, you and I will be hearing about Father Martin Luther. Uh, Father Martin Luther um, and his um, reformation of the church. Um, as if the church began, what, 500 years ago? Yeah. Uh, some say even less. Uh, I'm serious. I'm not making jokes. M many fine Lutherans. Um, the, uh, but friends, that's what you're going to be hearing in two years or less. You're going to be hearing that drumbeat. W what about this origin of the church? What about when the church began here on Easter Sunday? It disappeared for 1,500 years? Friends, where um, when it comes to when it comes to the church, the church is a family. Now, bishops, priests, deacons, and lay people are imperfect, have problems, made errors. Everyone, except for me, I'm the only one who hasn't. Um, I mean, that's obvious to you after 11 years, right? I'm the only perfect one in the church. I mean, after our Lord and our Lady. But, uh, right. Why am I going through all of this? Friends, when... When you and I, when you and I talk to, to people about um, being, well, about this gospel, do you know who stands head and shoulders, uh, 10 out of 10, as the favorite, especially among secular individuals? Thomas the Apostle. Yes, Thomas the Apostle. He was the scientist. Well, it's like a kid coming home from school saying, Mommy, Mommy, I got an F. Oh, honey, I'm so proud of you. You should be proud of St. Thomas the Apostle. I was like, oh, I, I love St. Thomas the Apostle. I don't love this about St. Thomas the Apostle. Why? See, St. Thomas the Apostle would not listen to the church. Well, what do you mean? The church had... People think of the church like the, their fingernail polish drying. Oh, wait a minute. It's not dry yet. Wait, wait. Uh, uh, right? Well, the church had not yet formed. Oh, really? When did it form? When did it dry? Friends, the church began. The church was born. The church is alive on Easter Sunday night. And St. Thomas... Did you notice that St. Thomas was the only one who didn't get the invitation to be in that room? I guess he didn't get the memo, the invitation. Or 
He said, I'm out of here. I'm not listening to you anymore. Uh, there was a man who died um, during my lifetime, C.S. Lewis. He didn't believe in God. Then he became a Christian. Uh, and because of his writings, so many people have become Catholic. And uh, C.S. Lewis once wrote that about Jesus, you can think only three things. And one of them has to be true for you. After you read the Gospels, you either believe that Jesus is a liar. They all begin with L. Either he's a liar or he's a lunatic or he is Lord. Jesus said that he is the son of God. Well, if that's not true, he's a liar. If he said that, but he's weak here, he's a lunatic. But friends, we say that he is Lord. Okay, so we have figured we have figured this out. I mean, we believe that Jesus is Lord. But what about how long was it? Um, how long was it before St. Thomas checked out right away? St. Thomas just disappears and he won't listen to the church. It, he reminds me of a three-year-old. You know, when a three-year-old, you're trying to, to, to reason with a three-year-old, sometimes they'll throw themselves on the floor or they'll stick their fingers in their ears and they'll say, no, 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 no. St. Thomas is doing that. The best way to explain St. Thomas the Apostle, the prodigal son. Prodigal son. The prodigal son goes to his father and says, give me my inheritance. Give me my money. Um, and he goes off and he blows it. Then he comes back. Now, he could have listened to his father. If he had listened to his father, he would have been right. And so many people say, oh, I love the prodigal son. What? You love the prodigal son? The part about him getting everything wrong and blowing it? No, no, that's not the part they love. They love the part about how he realizes that he didn't listen to his father. And friends, St. Thomas, the apostle, would not listen to the church. And, you know, St. Thomas, you know why he reminds me of a three-year-old? Because that's how long Jesus, that's how long Jesus taught the twelve apostles. Three years. So day and night, St. Thomas the Apostle is with Jesus, with Peter, James, and John. In fact, Peter, James, and John, the two, sets of, two sets of brothers, they've known each other all their lives. Um, St. Thomas knew them to be men who were upstanding, solid individuals, honest men. Well, don't forget the, the holy women who followed along and did all the, uh, the hard work, you know, the cooking, the cleaning, things like that. I'm sure that's what they were doing. Um, and he saw that these women were women of integrity. And so when they saw Jesus in his risen body, his glorified body, his resurrected body, what did St. Thomas say? I'm not going to believe you. Well, essentially, he was saying either you're lying or you're lunatics. He, he he'd already said uh, he's not Lord. Friends, St. Thomas is to the apostles, what the prodigal son is to his father. Um, and he, that must have been the loneliest week of his life. He would not listen to the church. That's why I brought up Father Martin Luther. Father Martin Luther was correct about many things. Everything, no. Many things, yes. Um, listen, I understand that there are problems in my family. I'm out of here. I'm not going to be a part of this. Um, that's not reasonable, is it? Well, what are the problems? Uh-uh, I'm out of here. 
That's essentially what Father Martin Luther did. He had reasonable, um, reasonable complaints against the church. The church is just a family. If your family is like mine, it's full of problems. It's, it's, it's imperfect because it's got me for a member, you for a member. So, so um, well, think about it. I, I mentioned here that Reason.org, on his blog site, he said, we, we believe in the 66 books of the Bible. Where do you think the, uh, the books got subtracted? Father Martin Luther, a Catholic priest, decided to subtract those books from the Bible. He diminished the number of books in the Bible. I love the Word of God. Uh, Christians love the Word of God. <laughs> let's just go and tear off a few more books. Let's go right ahead. Uh, come on. Let's take, take some more out. Uh, no, that's, that's not good. And friends, at the Last Supper, Jesus let us listen into his prayer. He said, Father, may they be one. There is one church. There is one church. And, and we walk around as if we're lunatics saying, yeah, there are 30 or 40,000 Christian churches. Ain't that great? Well, except the fact that he asked for one. Well, you know, friends, one doesn't equal 30,000. One doesn't equal 40,000, not even with the new common core. Right? And we're just saying, well, you'll just have to take that 30,000 and you just have to suck it up. No. He was very clear that he had one church. And when did that church begin? A hundred years ago, some people say. Two hundred years ago, some people say. Five hundred years ago, some people say. You get the idea. Friends, we must use reason when we look at our faith. I'm not a know-it-all. Uh, I know I sound like one probably today and, and most times. I'm not. Um, friends, we have to use what we can to find our way. We have to use reason. We must listen to the church. Otherwise, like St. Thomas, we place ourselves outside. We, we consider those people who are men and women of goodwill, men and women who have been reasonable in every other way, and all of a sudden, we're going to just call them lunatics. Uh, what else is there? Are they liars? Uh, Friday night, there was a man who came in here. I've known since first grade. He, he must be seven feet tall. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. He, he was that tall in first grade. And he was telling me about, um, he, he married a woman last year at this time. And they go to a, um, a, a Christian church, not a Catholic Christian church, but a Christian church between here and Dallas. And she was telling me, Friday night, I met her for the first time. And she was telling me about a Bible study they had. And the pastor there said that... Um, Catholics believe that Holy Communion is the body of Christ only when the wafer touches the Catholic person's hand or their body. I said, the Catechism of the Catholic Church came out in 1994. I have the only copy. No, I don't. It's free online to anyone. All he has to do is go and look up the section on Holy Communion on the Eucharist. Um, I said, you know, if you keep saying that, he is bearing false witness. We don't believe in the Easter bunny. We don't believe that only Jesus is there in Holy Communion only when it touches. We have to have a conversation with 
those around us, those in our families. And I know what you're going to get. Hater. You're a hater. Um, Do what you can with reason, with charity. But we must engage the world around us. Um, That's what Jesus, uh, when Jesus says, has this interaction, you know, he's talking about me and he's talking about you. Thomas is held up as as the scientist and all the other apostles are goobers, right? Well, they're just they're just foolish. St. Thomas is the one who doubted. Yeah, he doubted and he got it wrong. Yes. Well, that's that's just ridiculous. No, Jesus says to him, uh, Thomas, um, uh, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. That's me and that's you. We can't just airbrush ourselves out of this family, the church. And we can't pretend that having 30 or 40,000 different Christian denominations is a good. Listen, if 30 or 40,000 denominations and Christian churches is good, why not 100,000? Why not a million? Well, that's even better. Yes, yes. Don't be ridiculous. That's absurd. Jesus said, Father, may they be one. And that one started on Easter Sunday. And the next Sunday, this Sunday, uh, our Lord helps the church already formed to begin to understand herself and the many gifts she has received from the new Adam. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.